Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres. And it's Paige Wesley from Cult Podcast. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta. Yay! Yay! This is the little bit of the show before the show, and we just wanted to tell you, hey, guess what? Guess what? Guess what? We got into Panic Fest 2019! Yes! Horror, sci-fi, thriller. And live podcasts. That's right. One of them. Panic Fest is a three-day festival in Kansas City, Missouri that is playing some of the best horror, thriller, and sci-fi films in this year as well as Beetlejuice I'm pretty sure super awesome very excited and they also have a bunch of live podcasts that are going on and we're fucking one of them so if you are in Kansas City around Kansas City if you live in Missouri if you're a mole person living underneath the theater where it is come up for the first time in years adjust your eyes to the sunlight and then come to our show tickets are available on panicfilmfest.com where you can buy Festival tickets, one-day tickets, because we will be only on January 26th at around 7 or 8 p.m. Or you can just buy a $6 ticket to our show. So you can go to panicfilmfest.com to find all the information about that, as well as cultpodcastshow.com to find more information as we post it. We should have an official time and date and location uh, by January 3rd at the latest. Um, from what we know, we know we're on Saturday mm-hmm. at the Shining Theater. So we're really excited. We're going to be debuting our live show for you guys. Um, that will not be recorded. The only yeah. way to see it is to come out to Kansas City or to our eventual live shows when we do them in the future, maybe. Or maybe not. We don't know. It's kind of a surprise right now. <laughs> uh, we hope to see you guys there. We hope to see you there. We hope to see you there. And hey, we hope to see you there. Give us your meats. Give them. All yeah, right. Tell us where your barbecue at. Thank you so much for listening to this. Thank you so much for helping us get into Panic Fest. And Yay. please enjoy the racism. Hello. 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 Cold Podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Now please enjoy the show. Don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Gazetta! Yay! Yay! It's Armando's second week about the clan. Yeah, try not to sound too excited about it. I'm so excited to make fun of the clan. (laughs) This one is really good. The last episode, I think that one of the issues we had is that it uh, it was very informative. And it's hard to laugh at some extreme racism and slavery. Yeah, it's hard to laugh at atrocities, that's for sure. It really is. So this episode... Uh, is going to capitalize on all the stuff that we learned the last episode and include some of the dumbest fucking idiots I've ever read about in my entire fucking life. Yes, including the Bundys? Including the Bundys. They're stupider than Moon and the Bundys combined, which basically is this episode, by the way. It's just the Moonies mixed with the Bundys. And they can't even get cow wives, they so dumb. (laughs) 
before we hop into it, I feel like we should just go right into our sources so you guys know where I'm coming from with this. Uh, first and foremost, I had to watch The Birth of a Nation. Oh, God. Oh, God. Is that what you oh, were doing last time? I'm yeah. so sorry. Yeah. I am so sorry. So I did that for you assholes. On behalf of white people, I am so sorry. The worst part is that it's a it's a pretty good movie. Like, movie-wise, <laughs> it's a pretty good movie. The cinematography and sound editing. <laughs> yeah, but but uh, but everything else, other than the fact that, like, structurally for the time, it's a really important film, it's a fucking terrible movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Indianapolis Times, The New Yorker, and the book The Second Coming of the KKK by Linda Gordon, as well as Armed and Dangerous by James Coates, which are both fantastic books. Armed and Dangerous, I learned less from. It was more for, like, context of what mm-hmm. was going on in, in like, the uh, the South at the time. But The Second Coming of the KKK by Linda Gordon is fantastic. All right, so previously on Colt Podcast, the Civil War happened. Lincoln freed the slaves. Reconstruction happened. A bunch of idiot Confederate veterans got together and started a club. The club turned violent. The U.S. got angry about it. And for the second time in a row, Ulysses S. Grant lays a smackdown on a bunch of fucking dumbasses. Uh, And that pretty much brings us to now where the clan has ended. But also a frat guy lost a ball to a wedgie. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I forgot about that. I re-listened on our road trip, and I was just like, oh, that's beautiful. To be fair, that was like in 96, I think. So a little bit farther. Not quite present day. In 1996, I should say. Not 1896. (laughs) It would be so much funnier if it was 1896. And the guy giving the wedgie was Ulysses S. Grant. (laughs) Get some, you fucking nerd. I mean, that's a similar metaphor to what happened. Yeah. It really is. He says, Cran wedgied the KKK and they lost a ball. Yeah. And and that's why we have a second episode, because somebody had to revive them after their ball loss. Yeah. However, just like every story about a monster, there's a sequel. And that brings us to today's episode, the KKK Part 2, the Two Klux Klan. <laughs> I thought you were going to go KKK Part 2 in space. Ah, like, the Two Klux Klan is better. My alternative was KKK 2, the Squeakle. <laughs> <laughs> Not KKK 2, Electric Hoodaloo. Oh, no. These are all fantastic names. Boy, I'm going to have a hard time deciding on a winner. <laughs> no, keep them all in. Keep uh, them all in. No, I mean for the title. You know oh. what? Longest title ever. <laughs> so, William Simmons was born on May 6, 1880. And for reference, this is about 20 years after Lincoln was elected president, and it is after the Civil War. He was So, he was born in the Reconstruction era in Harpersville, Alabama. There's not a lot of information on William's early life besides the fact that he wanted to study medicine at Johns Hopkins to follow in the footsteps of his father, who was also a physician, but that he couldn't go there because he could not afford it. Did he have both balls? Uh, As far as I know, yes. Here, let me Google. Thanks, thanks, thanks. William Simmons, KKK, balls, both. (laughs) Yes. Great, great. Perfect. I'll update the list. Yeah, that uh, you can find out about, about that in Armed and Dangerous. <laughs> That's, it's mainly ball, ball uh, information. It's anyway. the most important question. Because he couldn't afford to go to college, he did what most dudes did at the time, which is join the army. William was trained to be a soldier, but by the time he landed in Cuba, the Spanish-American War had ended, so William never saw combat. And after the peace talks ended, he was honorably discharged and returned home to Alabama, where William got a lot of use out of his new label as a veteran. 
Now, here's the thing. I'm not trying to say that if you join the military and you don't see combat, you're not a veteran. But William was the type of dude that tried to hang out with other veterans and, like, swap wartime stories with them. (laughs) And here's the thing. Other veterans were veterans from the Civil War. Oh, no. So he's like, he's talk, he showed up to Cuba, and they were like, war's done. And Have he, some rum. <laughs> and so he just came back, and the other people are like, I lost my home, I lost my daughter, and I did it all to fight, and then we lost. And he's like, yeah, know how that goes. I drank some <laughs> rum one time, and I woke up the next morning, who had <laughs> ate. <laughs> so, yeah, so he's just like... He's like the kind of guy who wants to go to Chili's just to flex the fact that he can get like a military discount. You know what I mean? Ew. Or like the 1890s version of Chili's, which I assume is just called like salts because they couldn't, <laughs> they weren't I mean, really into spices. I am in as long as they have those honey chipotle barbecue chipotle honey crispers. I don't know. That's too flavorful for the white people at the time. <laughs> that's, that's what they fought the Spanish-American war over. <laughs> spices. It's too flavorful for me. They immediately <laughs> Irish goodbye out of my body. Hi, oh can we get God. some, can, can I get a shot of ranch? please <laughs> i do eat them with ranch i love that you called well because it gives you no warning no. <laughs> it's just gone so we see a lot of rebranding from william once he gets home uh among his new crowd of friends he was known by one of his sweet nicknames which was either joe doc or colonel those are so <laughs> sweet yeah well it's for the time like, none they of couldn't... those are true though <laughs> Except for maybe Joe, but Doc or Colonel, not true. So Yeah, that's the thing. Doc referred to the time that he spent wanting to go to Johns Hopkins, by so the way. this fool went to war and kind of a little bit of college, and that the best nickname he got was Joe? Well, so I thought that Joe was a reference to G.I. Joe. Oh, but that's but it, too late. It turns out, yeah, G.I. Joe or G.I. was a nickname that they used in World War II. Right. And so I found out, like an idiot, just fucking first thought, best thought, I spent so much time researching the term G.I. Joe without realizing that his middle name is Joseph. So it's just, <laughs> it's not even really a nickname. It's just his middle no, name. No, he's just going by Joe because it sounds tougher than William. Yeah, see, I'm not tough at all, and I got the nickname Rampage by, like, just being kind of good at Guitar Hero. So this dude needs to step his game up. Yeah, fucking get Guitar Hero, you little ass nerd. Yeah, fuck you. Can you do medium? Fuck you. (laughs) Yeah, so Doc refers to his fucking time that he wanted to go to college. Colonel didn't even, it wasn't even about his rank in the military. It was about the fact that he held office in a social club called the Woodman of the World. So, <laughs> so he just like, he was like, yeah, I'm a veteran and they call me Colonel. But it was like fucking, it's just a coincidence. I'm sorry, Woodman of the World sounds hilarious. I'm just picturing like all the different variations of Lumberjack. I'm just picturing oh. a lot of mustaches, honestly. It's just <laughs> like, like, I'm just picturing the UN, but like plaid with accents. <laughs> oh, I thought you meant like the UN, but it's like, hi, I am uh, Michael Woods, and I'm here to represent Oak. 
<laughs> That's also hilarious. What would be even funnier is if this guy was the only human member of the club and it's just a room of stumps. <laughs> it's just the woodsman of the world. He's Honest. like, this is an African zebra wood. This he is very rare. them all himself. <laughs> just They're just faces. imaginary friends. So I just want you guys to know, this is like a weird side note that is completely stupid. But I spent so much time trying to figure out why they were called Joes, uh-huh. like in World War II. I spent so much time, uh, like an embarrassing amount of time. <laughs> and one of the things that I found was a definition for the name Joe on Urban Dictionary. And it was so <laughs> good that I just want you guys to hear this real quick. Okay. You motherfucker. You think you can define Joe? That hard-ass motherfucker will fuck your shit into the 14th dimension and back. How about this? He bites into a Doritos Locos taco, and the 84 women closest to him orgasm so hard their vaginas start vibrating. At this point, the dopamine literally starts leaking out of their ears, nose, and mouth, sometimes causing asphyxiation and or divorce. (laughs) <laughs> what? Not death. And divorce. And this. I asphyxiated so hard I had to serve you with papers. This def- <laughs> definition came to us from Papa Hog XXXX Swag. <laughs> he is 14. Yeah. Thank you, Papa Hog, for this gift you have bestowed upon us. I'm pretty sure this is William Simmons. I'm pretty sure it's. <laughs> I mean, it's a guy who obviously doesn't understand how vaginas work, and a guy who obviously doesn't understand how anatomy works. But maybe a time traveler because he knows about Doritos Locos Tacos. Oh, yeah. You think they didn't have that during the World War One? <laughs> The World War. I'm sorry. Um, at this point, it's still Civil, Civil War, Spanish-American yeah. War. World Spanish War One is like War, another yeah. twenty years away. <laughs> it's on the way. So William liked to seem tough, but more than that, he liked the idea of being a part of something bigger than himself. Because now he wasn't William, the guy who couldn't afford to go to school. He was Joe, the veteran who fought for his country. So by bigger than himself, do you mean like a tree? <laughs> uh, by bigger than himself, I think I mean anything past five foot nine. Oh. <laughs> Oh, that sense of wanting to belong to something bigger than yourself is why William joined a social club like the Woodman of the world in the first place. But he, this fucking idiot, he didn't just join the Woodman of the world. Because back at the time, you would join one social club and just that was kind of like your thing. Right. William joined over 12 different social <laughs> clubs at the same time. Please be my friend. Only the stumps talk to me. <laughs> Hey, are we almost done with this meeting of the Illuminati? Because I have to... I am late to my meeting with the PTA. (laughs) I gotta go. He's just an idiot. After the war, he can never just do one thing. After the war, he tried his hand at a bunch of different jobs, including teacher... Uh, garter salesman. What? What? Yeah, garter, you know, the thing that, He's not getting anywhere near my thighs. No. (laughs) And paid organizer for some of the social clubs he was a part of, which basically means he walked around trying to sell you memberships to the clubs that he was a member of. Now, did he join any cool ones, like any hermetic orders? Because those were popular at the time. Yeah, joined the woodmen of the world. (laughs) (laughs) We're, We're wicked into that hermetic Kabbalah, dog. I couldn't find a full list of other things that he's done, but he is really into the uh, traditional rituals of a lot of famous um, societies. Okay. So I'll kind of get into some of the like speculation in a second, but I don't have like a list of the okay. things because <laughs> there was really only two notable ones, and it was Woodman <laughs> of the World and later the Clan. <laughs> 
hard so, to sell a garter made of wood. Williams. This <laughs> <laughs> is like an embroidery hoop that you can tighten. Uh, William, I'm going to be honest. This isn't what I thought you meant by getting my hard wood between your thighs. <laughs> it's the closest I've ever gotten. It's live edge. <laughs> oh, God, it's so Jesus. itchy. William tried a bunch of different jobs, including the one we just made up for him. <laughs> But his favorite job by far was being a traveling minister for the Methodist Episcopal Church. His job was to like travel around the South and I think convert people into the church. Yeah, that's typically what traveling ministers do. And he loved religion. William loved it so much that he was actually a member of multiple churches at the same time. (laughs) Hey, are we almost done with Jesus? Because I got to get going to Scientology. Is he from Los Angeles? Because this sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. He's so stupid. He, okay. So I collect crystals, but also I'm a Buddhist. But like, really, I was raised Baptist. So I still kind of identify with that. But also I've been trying out this new like leadership thing with this guy who does these sex retreats anyway i'm more <laughs> spiritual can you just sell me the goddamn garter already <laughs> Jesus Christ. just give me my coffee becky <laughs> so uh william which might not be a surprise to you guys but we'll see it time and time again he is so bad at everything that he tries to do that he was fired from the church for inefficiency. <laughs> oh, that's tough to do. <laughs> Which just means that he's like, he wasn't good enough to be a minister, so he got fired in 1912. You keep fumbling the offering plates. <laughs> he's, I just imagine him holding a Bible, walking in circles outdoors. <laughs> like, where are you going? You're not converting anybody. You're too weird, and you keep wearing those wood garters. That is not true. I just baptized that sycamore. Uh, so a good parallel for William Simmons is Sun Myung Moon the leader of the Unification Church because both of these dudes lied about their backgrounds and how much schooling they had received both of them loved the idea of preaching but were so fucking laughably bad about it and speculation zone they both probably smelled like fucking shit alright I'm gonna go ahead and say it educated guess no you know what I'm gonna say he probably smelled like sandalwood and cedar (laughs) that is a manly scent it's actually pretty nice it's like oh you smell like a fancy closet (laughs) but Sun Myung Moon was able to find his footing by incorporating the biggest issue his country faced at the time a lack of unification between both of the Koreas so William needed to capitalize on something and that something came in 1915 where two huge events rocked the nation the first big event was the february release of dw griffith's three hour long silent dramatic epic the birth of a nation how was it for you being quiet for three whole hours (laughs) it's horrible If you've listened to any of our other white supremacist episodes, specifically the one on the ARA, you may have heard the name Birth of a Nation um, or in conjunction with the Turner Diaries because the Birth of a Nation is basically a more mainstream and successful version of the Turner Diaries at this time. So here's the plot of the movie. The movie follows two families, the Stonemans, who are abolitionists from the North, and the Camerons, who are slave owners from the South. The families meet in pre-war South Carolina, and the children fall in love with each other. It's basically like Romeo and Julie Ann Bell at this point. (laughs) 
So when the Civil War starts, the men from each family join their respective army and they have to fight against each other. Several of the children die tragically throughout the movie, and the youngest child from the Confederate side, whose name is Ben Cameron, is captured by the Union and sentenced to be executed for treason. Right before President Lincoln was set to pardon Ben Cameron, because for some fucking reason this film portrays Lincoln as being sympathetic to the South, Right before he's supposed to pardon Ben, he is assassinated by John Wilkes Booth. And it is legitimately, if you watch any scene from this movie, which is a terrible, stupid movie, please don't pay for it. But um, if you watch any part of this movie, just look up the assassination scene on YouTube. Because it's like surprisingly well done for something that came out like a hundred years ago. Interesting. Uh, so after Lincoln is dead, the head of the Northern family, Congressman Austin Stoneman, is put in charge. The congressman allows the newly freed black Americans to gain power, but in the movie, they prove to be ill-suited for democratic government. So in order to free the nation from black people and also put an end to interracial marriage, what? Ben Cameron and other Southerners form the Ku Klux Klan, and they succeed in their fight. The two families reconcile at the end and are joined together in a happy and pure white marriage. What? What the fuck? <laughs> this is like... There's also this like... fucking trippy thing at the end where like it fades up and there's this guy and it's supposed to be Jesus and it's like, is it the second coming of Jesus? What the fuck is this movie? Yeah, See, this I is don't... just making me feel like maybe Manson watched this while high on acid and he was like, that's right, they're not going to be fit for leadership and then came up with his crack-ass plan. That's basically what happened. And so... Unlike the Turner Diaries, which was basically only spread through like the underground networks and gun shows, Birth of a Nation was massively successful, even though even at this time, people considered it to be controversial. Because not only was the plot horribly racist and factually inaccurate, by the way, to the way that everything happened, black men in the movie were portrayed by white men in blackface. No! Who were portraying black people as savages who only wanted to be violent, only wanted to rape white women, and do a bunch of stupid racist shit like eat fried chicken. That is no shit in this movie is the whole joke about how much black people like eating fried chicken. How dare they? Fried chicken is delicious, and I know many fat white people who enjoy oh, it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but the worst thing that the movie did was make the Klan look like a group of saviors who fought back against black people to take Ooh. back America. And the worst part about that is that America ate that shit up. It's almost like a shitty version of Inglorious Bastards. Like yeah. you know how Inglorious Bastards kills Hitler at the end and you're just like, fuck, yes, but this is just like, what if the clan won? And you're just like, Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, it's terrible. And then merchandisers had a field day. They made Ku Klux Klan hats and kitchen aprons because apparently that's the only thing that women want. I mean, I love a good kitchen apron, I'll that's be real. Fair. Probably not one of these ones. I watched like 50 videos over the weekend on making potholders from scratch. I can't judge. Ushers for theaters playing the movie dressed up in white clan robes. Whoa! <laughs> and people around the country threw clan-themed parties and balls. Instead or, of Rocky Horror, this is just actual horror. Yeah. <laughs> oh my <laughs> Fucking god. Fucking terrible. Well, it's a Rocky history in America's past, but... <laughs> <laughs> this like group of fucking murderers now became a hero to white America at the time. Ugh. The second huge event was the case of Leo Frank. Leo Frank was a Jewish man who managed the National Pencil Company, which is the fucking most boring company I could think of, <laughs> in Atlanta, Georgia. And in April of 1913, an employee of Leo Frank's, Mary Fagan, was found bruised, bloody, and definitely sexually abused. 
Because Leo was the last person to acknowledge seeing Mary alive, he was taken in for questioning. Ugh. And not just questioning, but they also, they showed him the dead body. Oh. And they showed him the scene of the crime. And police noted that during the whole thing, Leo appeared to be nervous. You know, like all of us would be. Yeah. Yeah, it's a dead body. The public described Mary Fagan as just being like a nice white woman like classically white woman i mean nice doesn't i mean the white part doesn't matter to me no but it did to them at the time and because of leo's nervousness and a few questionable eyewitness reports leo was arrested tried and convicted for the rape and murder of mary fagan Mm -hmm. based mainly on the testimony of the janitor by the way who was also a suspect in the murder see This is some serial bullshit. Yeah. He was convicted and sentenced to execution. And Mm -hmm. after trying to appeal the conviction several times, Leo's lawyer sought commution. Yeah. Commutation. Commutation. Yeah. They wanted to get it commuted by the governor of Georgia. But in the eyes of the public, Leo Frank was guilty. Everyone believed that this dude did it. And at the forefront of the anti-Frank movement was Thomas Watson. He was a publisher who conducted a campaign against Leo and against Jewish people in general. The public, enraged that such a clearly guilty man was not yet hung, praised Thomas Watson for his anti-Semitic writing. The more Thomas Watson wrote about Leo Frank, the more copies he sold. So when the governor reviewed the evidence and declared that Leo Frank was innocent the public lost their fucking minds in 1915 after having his sentence commuted leo frank was abducted by 25 prominent citizens of the atlanta area who called themselves the knights of mary fagan they took frank from his cell drove him back to fagan's hometown and they hung him from an oak tree jeez the next day, over 3,000 different people showed up to look at and beat the dead body of Leo Frank. That's so fucked up. This is like when our president refuses to acknowledge that the Central Park Five are innocent. This, yeah. That's like, I worry about stuff like that happening. Yeah, and this is stuff that like, we'll, history repeats itself. Yes. And that's really the point of this episode. So... Those two events and an addiction to joining social clubs made the world's weirdest Venn diagram, and at the center was the 1865 social club, the Ku Klux Klan. Gross. William got his hands on an original copy of the Klan's prescript, which is that document that we read. It's like the rules and requirements. Right, right. Which he likely got from an old veteran buddy, because he did hang out with a lot of old Confederate veterans. William mixed the original prescript, what he could remember from watching The Birth of a Nation. Gross. And also Masonic rituals, which, again, I don't know if he was a Freemason or not, but he's in 12 different fucking social clubs. Probably. So he <laughs> might just be a fucking just Freemason, to, you know, too. you guessing. So to create his own social group, he mixed all of these and made the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan. And he described his new clan, and this is a direct quote, as a classy order of the highest <laughs> class. <laughs> Wrong. If you have to say classy twice, twice in the same sentence, you're fucking trash. It, that's it, like calling something sexy. If you have to tell me it's sexy, it's not. It's no. like gourmet ketchup, honestly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's the gourmet ketchup I, of social I have it's had like, gourmet ketchup and it is delicious. Well, that's the thing is like gourmet ketchup is delicious, but like normal ketchup is still called fancy ketchup. Yeah, and I'm like, it's not. <laughs> what, 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 what makes you fancy? Because your home is it's, plastic. It's in a packet. <laughs> If you come in a packet, you ain't fancy. 
So this model for the new clan echoed some of the intentions of the first clan, mostly that history had proved that no new environment could ever help black people overcome their hereditary handicap. Those are William's words. Gross. Yeah, he's a horrible racist. But the new clan wasn't strictly anti-black. In fact, it mirrored a lot of the anti-radical hysteria of the World War I era. Because William's goal was to fight and exclude anyone that they deemed to be the wrong kind of people from belonging inside of America. Specifically people who wear socks and sandals? <laughs> I'm down for that. <laughs> Fourth clan. We're starting it up. No, no, <laughs> no you know no, what? Already no, regret no. it. I look at your white faces and I feel bad. I don't have white sheets. Um, <laughs> no, they're just tacky. Just white na- socks only. <laughs> navy and gray. I got white socks, black sandals. Hey, I'm one of the problem. Uh, <laughs> on Thanksgiving in 1915, William led a small group of men, which consisted of some of the same men who lynched Leo Frank, and at least two aging members of the original clan in white robes and hoods up to the summit of Stone Mountain in Georgia. It is here that they set up an altar, covered the flag with an open Bible, and set fire to a 16-foot cross. And with this, the second clan was born. So they had... Hold on. Can we just pause a second? Because I'm imagining... The two members from the original clan are very old at very this point. Yeah, extremely. And very confused. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like when we bring Harrison Ford back to do more Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> Just like, I'll stand here and shoot. Also, They're the other thing is like, a... that. <laughs> that's, it's like the kind of thing where it's like, if I, if I planned like, hey, everybody, we're going to go on a ghost hike where we dress up at ghosts, and then when we get to the top of the mountain, we're going to have a great bonfire. Like, I would make so much bank in Los Angeles if I just did that. If I was oh, just yeah. like, we're going to... It's like an experience. You can kind of, like, totally so you see can, the like, bond with nature, but also charge your crystals in the lake. But also, I talked to my dead grandmother, and she said that my cat was constipated. <laughs> and the worst part is my alive grandfather says that my cat also hates black people. <laughs> Am I alive? My grandfather also said that my grandma's not dead, so who did I talk to? <laughs> I just want my coffee. <laughs> Can I talk to a manager? Um, so the clan quickly ran into a new problem. William had definitely set up an awesome social club because the outfits were cool and also probably could double as like clean sheets if you needed them. <laughs> And he also organized a hike that was like super fucking kick ass. You know what I mean? Like he did something that was night or he did something that was neat, but there was the issue that it was just a social club. He had no plan of action. So he brought all of these people. He gathered some of the most racist and radicalized men in all of Georgia. And they had a big bonfire and they just stood there in their sheets going like, Yep. Okay, so now what? <laughs> I mean, think about this. If there's anything that history has taught us, it's that people love to go into the forest at night and light shit on fire. Like, oh, yeah. this is a common human That's what I'm love. saying. It's like, it's fucking... If they, if they, if somebody was like, ghost hack and then bonfire, I would fucking pay 20 bucks to go. Yeah. And only 20 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not bringing my own sheets. No. Sheets must be provided. Yes. California king, baby. You better have gluten-free snacks as well. Oh, no. Please. All the gluten. <laughs> But that's the thing is that he just William was so good at knowing what made a good social club that he made a good social club. But 
those people didn't those people weren't just people who wanted to be part of a fucking like secret society they wanted to do shit they were the same people who killed leo frank they wanted shit to get done so in four years williams clan had conducted only one notable public action they had like a basically like a press op or something at a veterans parade in 1919 where they took a promotional photo to try and show off how large his membership was uh does that sound familiar like hey look at all these supporters i have (laughs) here's the thing he wanted to boost how many members he had so he hired people to dress up in clan robes but here's the kicker he couldn't afford anything because he had trouble monetizing so the only people he could hire were 20 black dudes no (laughs) no what the fuck So he had to be okay with working with black people to oh show off God. his club about hating black people. And and he couldn't and you couldn't tell because of the hoods. No. Good lord. What did his other members think? They you just thought I mean? they were other members. Oh my god. They were like god. instructed not to talk to anyone. It's fucking ridiculous. So with no real Ku Klux plan, which is my, <laughs> it's my fun little Well done. Good. Well done. <laughs> yeah. Membership numbers stagnated until, in 1920, Simmons handed over the day-to-day leadership of the Klan to two professional publicists, Elizabeth Tyler and Edward Young Clark. Girl, what you doing? Yeah. I'm not going to get into it, but there's two things that are really interesting if you want to dig into these two people. One is that both of their families had ties to the original Klan. Both of them, both of their families used to be Confederates and were starting members in the Klan. Also, Elizabeth Tyler specifically wanted to push this uh, women of the clan thing. Gross. So they tried to, it was like, you know how they basically just made like women's razors, but in a clan, it was just like, uh, it's, it's racism, we've got but pink. pink, pink robes. <laughs> the, well, this is kind of like where there was a huge push for like women for Trump. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, how dare you? How dare you as a woman be okay with a guy that's like, it's totally okay to assault women. Mm-hmm. So those are those are two things that you can look into if you really want to. It's Elizabeth Tyler, Edward Young Clark. So Elizabeth and Edward realized what William didn't. His group wasn't only racist, they were primarily Protestants who agreed with the notion of keeping out those who didn't belong. That was the key message that most of these people believed in. And their main concerns were actually what they thought were the issues of declining morality being like divorce, adultery, the defiance of prohibition, and criminal gangs that made headlines almost daily, as well as the growing population of Catholics and Jews. They really didn't like Catholics and Jews. Can we rewind real quick? So the Klan originally believed in prohibition. The Klan did not originally. The first Klan, no. But during this period in time, Prohibition was happening, and a lot of the members of the Klan were Protestants who believed that the country was going to shit, who those are the same people that pushed Prohibition in the first place. Right, right. And it's it's the law, so they were believing in... So they were like, we have to follow the law. So the second Klan is pushing to... Uh, or its members, rather, are like, we're pro-Prohibition. We want to make America a good, safe place. Bunch of squares. Yeah. Fucking but, or triangles. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so the Klan switched its focus to social issues. In simple terms, written by two evil and also amazing publicists, I will give them credit for that, members of the KKK swore to uphold American values and Christian morality. 
and in about four years, the Klan became a well-oiled machine, a perfect organization to combat the fears of its members. It was fraternal, it was nativist, which was a political theory that was like, we should help Native Americans before we help immigrants coming to America. Hold on, not Native Americans. No. White White, Americans born in America. That's what I I mean by Native American. What do you mean? I don't... Is yeah, another... they just they really did not understand the concept of actual Native Americans. No, at this time they called them Indians. They're not fucking uh, yeah, smart no. people. And the hor- worse words yeah. as well. They were also annoyingly patriotic, despite its Confederate roots, by the way. Right. So, invigorated by new and competent leadership, the Klan's membership expanded dramatically in 1922 to over four million Holy members. shit! Even some Protestant ministers became involved at the local level, and at this time the Klan went corporate. I and mean, I'm, they're I'm, damn good publicists, I guess. Yeah, they're fucking amazing. They're, they're the fucking devil, but, you well, know. Oh, yeah. And what to what level does membership require? Like, not all these dudes are going out and burning crosses on lawns. Like, some of these people, it's just like, oh, I meet other people that have like-minded values. And if exactly. I sign this paper, politics. I get a free hood, and we need an extra <laughs> pair of sheets. Definitely not a free hood. You're paying a lot of money for them. But oh. also, um, you're you're right in that, like, the violent part of the clan was not the main focus and we'll I'll kind of go into a little bit later with another guy but for the most part the clan was trying to be the political movement that Nathan Bedford Forrest had kind of imagined okay remember when he was like I want to start like a centralized headquarters they report to us and then we like try and get shit done to make America a good country again I'm just gonna say fucking saying... make America great again yeah yes, thank yeah, you yeah, yeah. Okay. that was their fucking plan And when I say that they went corporate, I don't even mean that figuratively, because Elizabeth and Edward changed the recruiting process to mirror a membership structure that was becoming super popular in the 1920s. So once you joined the clan, you could become eligible for an office position as a a Klegel, which is what they actually called it. (laughs) Oh, man, that's not dumb at all. It's like the clan Smeagol. But (laughs) to be a Klegel, you had to recruit a certain amount of members. So it's a pyramid scheme. Yeah, because once... (laughs) A pointed hat scheme. (laughs) It's a hood scheme. Our our structure is just like our hoods, a triangle. So you took a percentage of their recruitment fee and kicked the rest up to your recruiter. But the real money came when your recruits started recruiting other recruits. It is a pyramid scheme. It's literally just multi-level marketing. Fuck these idiots. So Protestant values and a monetary incentive brought the clan membership to an all-time peak of 6 million members. Shit. In 1924. Who are they? Herbalife? Yeah, what? (laughs) Yeah, I mean... I joined this and LuLaRoe. LuLaRoe. <laughs> <laughs> no, LuLaRoe. Oh. I, I realize that you're not a fat lady who loves leggings. It's okay. <laughs> no, I'm a fat man who likes watching leggings. Uh, <laughs> so, by 1925, the Klan had a national base. At this point, everything the original Klan believed in was gone, save for the racism. The Klan was a national society that aimed to control the rights of the people. While the Confederates who started the first Klan would have looked on it in shame, the new Klan realized the importance of holding political power, and with a membership of six million people, they fucking had a lot of power. Yeah. 
So the old clan was comprised mainly of Southern Democrats trying to protect their rights. That was from the last episode. But this new clan knew how important it was to play to the everyone. So officially, the clan was nonpartisan. This meant that new membership was comprised of Southern Democrats, new conservative Republicans, as well as just people who were fucking independent. And Rory McVeigh, no relation, uh, explains the clan's political strategy. <clears throat> Clan leaders hope to have all major candidates competing to win the movement's endorsement. The clan's leadership wanted to keep their options open and repeatedly announced that the movement was not aligned with any political party. This non-alliance strategy was also valuable as a recruiting tool. The clan drew its members from Democratic as well as Republican voters, and if the movement had aligned itself with a single political party, it would have substantially narrowed its pool of potential recruits. Interesting. Because you have to remember, this isn't just like most social clubs where anyone can join. You had to fit a very specific set of requirements. You had to be white, but you had to be the right kind of white. Right. You also had to be somebody who was deemed to be of moral value. So you had to be a good, the right kind of white, Protestant Christian man to join the clan. Which, like, I'm white, but I wouldn't have qualified. No, neither would you. Not. No, none no, of us. No, I would have think that you guys are because you guys are Italian. You would have yeah, been considered so other. Catholic, so dirty, so covered in tomato sauce. Oh yeah, also Catholic. If you weren't Protestant yeah. Christian, you weren't you allowed had to in. Be yeah, no, I I fit all of those except I'm pretty sure they still viewed Italians as savages. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. So William Joe Simmons was, in two words, fucking stupid. <laughs> He laid the groundwork for the clan, but he absolutely shat the bed on getting it to mean anything. And Elizabeth and Edward revitalized the clan, and they realized that it needed a singular strong leader. And they realized that that definitely wasn't old Joe. So, much like back in the day when he was a minister, William was fired for inefficiency. <laughs> Uh, it took him six hours to burn a cross. You yeah. don't even understand. It's fucking, it's so, so enter Hiram Wesley Evans. No relation to you. No relation. Hiram Wesley Evans was a short little fat man whose only form of higher education were dental qualifications that were described as, quote, a bit shady. <laughs> so not only are you a dentist, which I don't, I've never met somebody that was like, I love dentists. I'm never afraid to go to the dentist. Right. My uncle's my dentist and he's the best, but it's fine. Anyway, all dentists are weird. And, <laughs> and not only are, was he a dentist, but he was a dentist that was described as having a background that was, quote, a bit shady. I mean, considering dental technology at the time. <laughs> well, the thing is, my mom, when my mom was growing up, sometimes you would just, quote unquote, have a cavity. And she's like, it doesn't hurt. I don't see anything. Like, sometimes yeah. the dental work was shady, and then the dentist would just charge you a bunch and fuck up your teeth. Yeah, and this is way before that. Well, this is the 1920s. Dude, yeah. now, like present day, I went to a dentist for a long time because it was the only dentist in town. And he convinced my parents to have them put in fillings that matched my teeth so you couldn't see them. The only problem was you put them in wrong, and now they're all falling out of my damn head. So I've got, like, two holes in my teeth. Oh, my God. I guess if I was trying to find a guy who was... I guess what I'm trying to say is that it makes sense that a dentist wanted to join the clan. Because when he looks in your mouth, he wants to see all white, too. <laughs> yeah. Is, is that a little spot of black? Get it out! Get it, Get it out! 
So he, <laughs> Hiram joined a Dallas chapter of the Klan in 1920, and he showed a lot of promise and devotion <laughs> by leaving his dental practice to commit to recruiting for the Klan full time. Oh, what a sacrifice. What a sacrifice. Which, again, by the way, he left his job to join a pyramid scheme. I want you guys to remember that. That's how dumb of a dentist he is. Yeah, it's a fucking... I want you to remember that at this point, it is a pyramid scheme. Yeah, Mm -hmm. pyramid scheme with two eye holes. So, um, Hiram quickly rose through the ranks of the clan... And in 1922, Elizabeth and Edward appointed Hiram the new Grand Wizard of the KKK. Only there was one problem. He hadn't rolled 20 for dexterity. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! Wizard joke! (laughs) Well, no. So the problem is even fucking stupider than that. William Simmons claimed that he had not only been elected Grand Wizard, he had been elected, quote, Emperor for Life. He, Sounds legit. <laughs> he play, he fucking no tag backs this fucking organization. <laughs> he just did that thing the kids did where he was like, you can't kick me out. I'll just take my ball and go home. <laughs> he sounds like the Pope. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly. So then an actual legal battle occurred to decide who would run the fucking Ku Klux Klan. All right. If you roll a plus three, then that allows <laughs> you to attack. <laughs> That's not how that works. I, uh, I have no idea. None of these people are lawful good. <laughs> no, they're all... <laughs> all chaotic evil. Yeah, at best. In 1923, Hiram Wesley Evans became the third Grand Wizard, and he kicked out the former leader, William Simmons. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so great. With William out of the way, the new Grand Wizard, Hiram, was free to run the clan however he wanted to, and apparently the way he wanted to was right into the fucking ground. <laughs> Because like an upside down triangle. <laughs> <laughs> because as soon as he was officially appointed Grand Wizard, Hiram appointed his boy DC Stevenson to the Grand to be Grand Dragon, which is basically the head of recruiting. Now we have covered a lot of fucking idiots in this episode. And a lot of these people make horrendously stupid decisions. But the award for tippy-top dumb fucking idiot has to go to D.C. Stevenson, the stupidest fucking person involved in this whole story. D.C. Stevenson was the head of the recruitment for the Klan. But as we've covered in this episode, at this point, the Klan basically sold itself. Well, DC got a big old head because of how well recruitment was going in his territory, and a perfect example of his delusions of grandeur, as well as his knack for lying, is very evident in this quote. It's, this is from the 1923 4th of July gathering in Indiana. He says, My worthy subjects, citizens of this indivisible empire, clansmen all, Greetings. That sounds too good and too scary. I'm going to need you to throw more dumb into it. It grieves me to be late. The President of the United States (laughs) kept me unduly long counseling on matters of state. So long. So hard. Only my plea that this is the time and place for my coronation obtained me to get away from his prayers for guidance he sounds like a fucking bond villain is what I'm trying to, he just He's like stroking a hairless cat yeah he showed up late and he was like uh my bad guys i was talking to the president ever heard of maybe him? you've heard of it 
DC thought he was so successful, in fact, that in September of 1923, he decided to go solo, and he quit the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan and started his own rival KKK. <laughs> oh, man. And he took as many members with him as he could. DC wanted political power in his territory of Indiana, so he switched his political affiliation to Republican and publicly supported Edward L. Jackson, who was himself a rumored Klan member, and he won the election. Here's the thing. Edward Jackson would have won no matter what. So DC <laughs> Stevenson just did that thing that kids do during like the Super Bowl or anything where they see one team winning and they go, yes, that's my team. <laughs> Go Chargers. Mm. <laughs> he's just a fucking like he he like tacked on right. He's a bandwagoning political like helper outer. I don't know those none of those were <laughs> official terms. Bandwagoning political helper outer. If you want to see how fucking dumb DC Stevenson is, this is him giving a speech on Jackson winning governor of Indiana. I am the law in Indiana. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize he was Judge Dredd. God Judge help the man who issues a proclamation of war against the Klan in Indiana. We are going to clux Indiana as she has never been cluxed before. Okay. Okay. You know, there was one woman in the audience just looked at her husband and goes like, you never clucks me like that you anymore. Haven't, you haven't clucked me in months. <laughs> I work better. so hard all day. I don't have the energy to clucks. Sometimes the clan just can't get the pointy hood to stay up. Okay? <laughs> it's always drooping. We gotta get some <laughs> fabric stiffener in there. I went to my dentist. He's real shady. He gave me some Viagra. <laughs> I just, the whole, like, when you say the name DC Stevens, I'm just imagining some dumb kid with a backwards hat, a giant head, and a lot of dragon tribal tattoos. He looks like a fatter Walt Disney, just so you guys know. I mean, speaking of somebody who hated Jews, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, DC's first fuck up was taking away members from the clan and weakening the institution by both directly lowering members and also casting doubt on the clan's leadership capabilities. But so far, he didn't really fuck up anything too bad, right? In fact, all he really did was push to get a pro-prohibition and Protestant womanhood-friendly candidate into office. That was until 1925 when D.C. Stevenson was arrested, tried, and convicted for the rape and murder of Madge Obenholzer. Poor Madge. What the yeah. fuck? This monumental fuck-up was the ironic cherry on top of the idiotic Sunday that is the Ku Klux Klan, and it brings the story full circle. Because remember, one of the reasons that the Klan started would be because the case of Leo Frank. Who was a man convicted of murdering and, and raping. raping a woman. But this time, D.C. Stevenson's conviction was just, and they got the right guy. D.C. got sentenced to life in prison, and he did the same thing where he tried for appeals and they wouldn't let him so he was like i'm gonna pull a leo frank and get my boy edward jackson to free me so he appealed to the governor who was governor jackson the guy that he quote unquote got elected in the office and governor jackson declined nice he just said no you did this shit i'm not gonna let you out of prison you fucking idiot so upset with Jackson and the rest of the Klansmen, DC released a list of public officials <gasps> who had been on the Klan's payroll. The knock list. This led to 
countless arrests and people having to step down because they took bribes and it fucking he showed records of this shit oh jeez he also gave a Pulitzer Prize winning interview to the Indianapolis Times where he outlined the clan all of their political ties and all of the stuff that their like rituals meant Whoa. That's kind of awesome, actually. That's fucking cold. Yeah, in He's a mere a in a mere two years, DC Stevenson had proved that most of the high-ranking officials of the Klan were actually alcoholic womanizers, outed multiple politicians on bribery or conspiracy, and completely derailed the momentum built up by Elizabeth and Edward. By 1924, the Klan's membership sat at six million. By 1930. The clan's membership was only 30,000 people nationwide. Wow. Here's the thing. You can never really own a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> they belong to the skies. Baby that's, <laughs> baby, that's no dragon. It's a grand dragon. <laughs> In 1944, the Klan was officially disbanded after having to sell off most of its properties to try to pay the money it owed on taxes, which they were never able to pay off. (laughs) And thus ends the Two Klux Klan. Oh my god, thank you. Yes, applause, applause. Oh my fucking Christ. So, a couple of the things that we didn't really get into that I think are worth checking out. We did go over the story of Leo Frank. 100% go look into it. Leo Frank, there's a bunch of books written about it. There's also a bunch of uh, documentaries written about it that you can read that that go into, like, most people of current day, whether they be historians, lawyers, etc., they agree that Leo Frank was definitely innocent. Man. And that he was just subject to a lot of the anti-Semitism put forward by people like Henry Ford, who wrote, I don't know if you guys... remember this part in history he put out like this thing that was like i found the minutes from a secret jew meeting and it was like all these evil he just wrote it he wrote it himself yeah so there there's uh there's that story leo frank i'm we did i got all the information but i will say that because it's such a horribly devastating like story i 100 percent didn't do it justice please go read up on it it's a horrible thing that happened it's also you can make a lot of parallels to like uh the story from serial Mm -hmm. where Right or wrong, people who definitely, like the janitor was caught washing what looked like blood off of clothing that he wore the last day that Mary was alive. And then he ended up being the key witness that put fucking uh, Leo Frank away. Mm. So that's what I mean. Yeah. Also, because of a lot of the, uh, like, political shit that they that the clan had there's a lot of rumors of famous uh politicians that were never truly outed but are rumored to be part of the clan one of which was harry s truman uh who was rumored to be part of the clan and the story goes basically that back in the day he wanted to uh win a political thing and to give himself the extra push he's like i'm gonna join the clan and that way the clan will back me and they're like millions of people will vote for me right so he and this was like a a more localized election so he joined the story goes by the way this has never been proven so this is also part of the speculation zone the story goes that he joined the clan and then used it for the political power and then never did anything. Like, he never joined in on, like, doing any of the shit that they did. He was just, like, a, a paying, non-practicing member of the clan. Okay. 
So that if the story is true, that's what it goes. But the thing is, is like Harry S. Truman also talked about how shitty the Klan was and was like, fuck the Klan. Uh, and one time told a story that is since proven to be fake, but it's still a pretty kick-ass story where he was like, I was confronted by the Klan once. And they were like, you better join us. And I was like, I will fuck you up. <laughs> because back in the day, people used to be really badass all the time. Um, secondly, something that I didn't really go into was all of the atrocities committed by the clan. Because while you were right that not all of the clan members were uh, committing violent acts, some of them were. And some of the people, just like the first time, were committing violent acts and parading themselves like they were part of the clan. So mm-hmm. that way it would throw it off the scent. Mm-hmm. So they would do shit like that. And in fact, Hiram, the, the, the third grand wizard, that fucking idiot... He was super pro black squads, which are people that went out and attacked minorities. But the fucking corporate office of the clan was like, hey, can you not do that? And he would be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Cool, 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 cool. And then they would leave and then he would be like, kill We're still doing that, right? Yeah, and he. cool with K's. Yeah. KKK cool. Uh, He liked to say that under his rule, the the rate of lynchings actually stopped. But most members who were close to Hiram said that most of the lynchings the Klan committed were presided over by Hiram. So he's a fucking... Everyone who joins the Klan is a lying piece of shit, by the way. Yeah. And most of them are also fairly tubby, which is really fun to look at. (laughs) They're trying to be triangles, but it's looking more like spheres. Yeah, they look like upside-down ice cream cones. Oh, great. Can you imagine? Because those clan robes are kind of expensive, and you buy them when you're young and thin, and then as you get older, you don't want to have to change them. So so it kind of becomes like you're trying to stuff meat into a tube, and all the rolls are just like squeezed tight. If you want to keep it tight, there's a good clan exercise called uh, Kleagles. It's a good way to keep it tight. Bring it around. All right. Well, man, the the worst part about this is that Stone Mountain used to be like a national park, uh, and the Klan has kind of ruined it with their fucking shitty history. Uh, but there's a lot of other great national parks, and a great way to support them is by going to Open Skies Trading Company <laughs> and buying clothing, gear, and apparel that will help uh, every purchase that you make. They will donate $1 to the National Parks Foundation, which goes to help out national parks. And every purchase helps. Please do that. They got great stuff. The stuff looks fucking kick-ass. They are also the printers for our Om Shinrikyo posters. Hooray! Which are also available online at cultpodcastshow.com. But if you want to find Open Skies Trading, you can go to openskiestrading.com or find them on Instagram and Facebook at openskiestradingco. That's openskiestradingco, openskiestradingco. Yeah, and uh, speaking of great things that you can give to, one of the best things you could give to is a road trip to Kansas City, Missouri. (laughs) Give yourself the gift of coming to Kansas City, Missouri. Yes. (laughs) Why Kansas City, Missouri? Well, we'll tell you why. Cult Podcast was just accepted to be in Panic Fest 2019. (laughs) Panic Fest is an amazing three-day... Actually, it's. I just found out it's kind of extended. They might have to after that. But the main festival is three days. Uh, It's a horror, thriller, and sci-fi film festival showing some of the best movies 
movies of the year. Also, I'm pretty sure they're showing Beetlejuice as like an anniversary Fuck thing. Yeah. So I want to go see that in a fucking theater. But they also have live podcasts, and one of those live podcasts is us, motherfuckers. Oh. Hell yeah. We will be showing off our brand new live show, and we are so, 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 so excited for you guys to come out and watch. Um, also, if you're in that area and you're a fan, let us know. We want to see you and meet you and eat your barbecue. Yes, we oh would absolutely God. love to. Tell yes. us where the barbecue is. We want the meats. So Give us the meats. <laughs> Give me the meats. One of the best things is that we're going to be in a very historic theater, but the theater that we will be presenting in is called... The Shining Theater! Yes! Yes! So come out. Um, we will post information on our website, which is cultpodcastshow.com, as well as all of our social media. But you can also find more information on the festival at panicfilmfest.com. Slash podcast. If you want to go directly to our page. Yeah. But also go to the festival because it's dope as hell. It's dope as hell. You can buy um, tickets to the whole festival. You can buy a one-day pass. We will be on Saturday, January 26th. Or you can straight up just for $6 come to only our show. Six They'll let you do that. Is less than a movie. Yeah. It's so cheap. And you're avoiding all those other movies. I mean, those are great movies. Yeah. You can come watch us. It definitely includes a meet and greet because we're fucking nobody and we'd love to meet you anyway. Yeah, no, for sure. And give us your meats. Give us the meats. M-E-A-T and greet. Meat and greet. <laughs> can we bring cheese on a plane? Um, Maybe. I think so, yes. I don't know if that's I've legal. flown cheese back from Seattle. Illegally? You're going Legally. to jail, mama. No, very legal. Anyway, yeah, if your Arby's come, because we know you got the meats. Uh, <laughs> we'd love to see you. That's going to be at the Scream- Screenland Armor. It's a historic Kansas City um, theater. Please come out. It would mean the world to us. We hope to see you there. If you're going to Panic Fest, definitely catch us around there. Yes. So. We're so excited. Yeah. We're so excited. And uh, if you want to see me... Be excited or sad or happy. I don't know. If you want to see my life, you can definitely follow me on social media. It's available on Instagram and Twitter at Mondo Does Stuff. M A N D O Does Stuff. If you have the meats, tell me about it <laughs> on Twitter at Paige Wesley or on Instagram at Rampage Wesley. If you have any non racist dragons and you want to send me photos, <laughs> uh, you can send them to me on all the things at Sundress Comic. Um, I'm also. I don't know if you guys know, I also paint. Um, I have some really cool paintings coming up this month. Uh, you can follow them at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram. And I'm at the bunker every Saturday in Burbank, California. So if you want to see comedy, 8 p.m., come to the bunker. Tickets are 10 bucks. Actually, I just want to say that what we think of as dragons are typically way Shut worse. up and roll the D20, Martin. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> If you want to follow our show and learn more information about us going to Panic Fest or yes. just stuff in general, then you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. Or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to ColtPodcastShow at gmail.com. Or you could send us like actual meats or cheeses to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237, like, like The, the Shining. Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And we did get a couple packages that we will be opening on a bonus episode. Yes. And you can find both our address and our email address on our website, which is cultpodcastshow.com, cultpodcastshow.com. 
Com. You can go there to find more information on us going to Panic Fest. You can go there to uh, find out where you can fill out a survey that tells us where we should go on tour, which is also available at bit.ly slash cold podcast, bit.ly slash cold podcast. You can do all of those things, fill it out, tell us where we should be going, tell us where, uh, where the meets is, do all that shit. It's going to be great. Um, we love you so much. I love you so much. You, you, hey, yeah. You. Give me those meats. Give them, give them <laughs> over. What in the world is in those meats? What you got in those meats? If your grandpa dies and you walk into his room and you find his old clan stuff, can you send, send it. it to me? Send can it. Send oh my it? God. I want it. I want it. I don't know how illegal it is, but I want it. So, yeah. I, I mean, maybe we'll just have to pretend to join to get some. Ooh. There's a thought. And then just send them dildos. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That'd be great. So I think for this one, we're going to say don't drink from the undercurrent of racism in our country. Uh, I think do drink the alcohol because that's what they were super against. <laughs> <laughs> and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. I am the law in this podcast. You are not Judge Dredd. Oh, no. Is this whole thing what happens when men don't drink? <laughs> oh. <laughs>